Hey, welcome to part two of the podcast. Of course, if you're liking what you're hearing, you can support me on Patreon. Just the price of a coffee or a beer once a month is all I'm looking for. I'd really appreciate that. I want to do more stuff with the podcast, maybe take a few trips around Ireland or even outside Ireland to meet some um, bass players and do some kind of live hangs and your support would help me do that. So that'd be great. So we're jumping right in here. Part two of my chat with Todd Bowers. We're just talking about touring and some touring hacks and then he's going to pick up his Ripper bass and shows what that sounds like so enjoy part two and of course don't start with part two go to part one talk to you soon so they, i find the playing the gigs is the easiest part it's the food uh, it's killing me at the moment in england they have ter- they have terrible like um petrol stations you know in america you've got a load of choice of food crap food and good food and in ireland uh-huh. the same but in england you just have one choice burger king or mcdonald's Oh that, man, yeah. They, they don't have a deli. We have delis over here, and you guys have delis. They uh-huh. don't have that, so you've no choice. It's it's horrible. I don't know. We're just like buying salads in like supermarkets and eating them in the van. Like <laughs> it's hard to stay fit, isn't it? Like and not fall. It, into that. it is hard to to eat well and and stay healthy on the road for sure. It's definitely a hard thing to do, and and, and within like budget too. You know, it's like it's eating well isn't cheap. No. where like McDonald's and Burger King is, you know? So if you're on a budget on the road, it's hard to eat well. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but you just I, gotta be, you just gotta try to be smart, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, got, so we've got a hack. We bring coolers with us. We all have a little plug in cooler and every time you get into the hotel, you plug it in and you have all your food in the cooler. Oh, plug in coolers. That's, that's, that's a good idea. There you go. Yeah. They're cheap. If you get them cheap and then you how, bring them. How big you. are they? Uh, it's like small, about, uh, 14 inches high, about 14 inches uh-huh. wide. Enough and, to hold um, some some lunch meat or whatever. and Everything, yeah, loads of yeah. stuff. Your breakfast, par- whatever. Like they, t- they they always just think we're a bunch of lunatics with case of beer. They think <laughs> we're <in> the, hotel, <laughs> they're like, the Irish guys with three coolers full of beer. Yeah. Like, it's actually full of salad and boring <laughs> stuff. <laughs> You're going to trash the hotel rooms or something, right? Yeah, but really, we just leave loads of hummus and stuff on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Bits of lettuce crunched into yeah. the carpet. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good idea. Yeah, that that is actually our touring hack for you. Know you can use that with Davy. Are, are you going yeah. to come to Europe? Do you think with Davy? I hope so. I, we 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 were definitely planning on it prior to the pandemic. It was on the you know on the docket. Um, we had some stuff in the Isle of Man we were going to play in August of twenty twenty. I think we had a gig or two in England. Um, I don't know about Ireland or not, but yeah, like hopefully, man. I, I think next year. Yeah, that, Ireland's happen. not a great is a tough one for touring bands because you have to leave because you can get to England through the Channel Tunnel in France, so it's uh-huh. kind of stay on that Europe. But Ireland, you have to get a ferry over, and it costs a fortune, and we don't have a massive sure. population, so it can be mm-hmm. a tough sell for a lot of bands to come and do it. Like yeah. We'll come and play that uh, the Monaghan Festival again. That's yeah. that's, that's I saw a good you time. at that. I actually was in the crowd when you played that. Oh, cool. yeah. Which year? What did you? Were you there? Oh, I've seen. We, well, we, we played did, it we twice. Did, we played it like seven or eight times. So okay, I've I've probably saw. We were doing like the the bar gigs, so we were playing every night okay. in the bar. Like, yeah, I know we. I think we played it in seventeen, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, I'd have to ask Graham Robertson. He's kind of yeah, yeah. He he, he remembers all these dates. It's because he was sober then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still sober, but he was—he—he he beat me to the punch on that. I was not sober during those. Yeah, you—you <laughs> you gave up the drink. What you, you were saying on Facebook? You're celebrating—is it a year, a few years now? 
Three years. Three years. Yeah, yeah. It's it. it's flown by. Yeah, yeah. Was it just you decided you had enough? It was kind of well. It's definitely a great idea not to drink if you're a touring musician. Yeah, it was. You know, I was. I loved drinking. I don't. I'm not gonna say like I was like this raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like. wasn't I wasn't drinking a bottle of vodka a day or or on a nightly basis. I would go through phases where I drank more than other times, you know. Um, but I, you know, being on the road and having you know all the beer you wanted backstage and and people buying you shots and drinks, mm-hmm. I I didn't say no very often, you know. So. <laughs> Musicians never but, say no to anything yeah. free. And then once I have, you know, two or three, and then the floodgates usually open and then it's like, all right, let's go. Let's have one more. And I, mm. it just, I was, I don't think I was a bad drunk, but I wasn't, it, it just, the main thing was the hangovers were really starting to just kick my ass. Mm. <laughs> I was feeling like crap more often than not. And, and I got tired of it and I just tried, uh, taking a break like i, I did like the we, we have this thing over here called Jai, dry january i don't oh, know yeah. if you guys do that over there oh, or not, but, time. yeah sure yeah we're all a lot of big drinkers in ireland so dry yeah. january is possible <laughs> so I, I i took a january off and i and it actually felt so good i went maybe two or three weeks into february and this was right when i kind of started playing with davy this was mm-hmm. maybe a couple months into playing with davy and uh he was sober and everyone in the band was, was not drinking at the time. Yeah. And so I was like the only one we went on this, the bottom Asa cruise. Oh, deadly. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. Right. So, and I'm the only one drinking and, and, and no one was like giving me a hard time about it. It wasn't, mm. wasn't a, you know, Hey man, you should quit drinking or, you know, this band sober or whatever. It wasn't, mm. there was none of that at all, but I just kind of felt like, like there was one gig where I was just kind of like a little bit hungover for the gig and I didn't yeah. play as well as I hoped. And I was like, fuck, like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be hung over at gigs anymore. Mm. And I got back from, from that cruise. I think I w- went out and w- went to a birthday party for a friend and got completely shit, shit faced <laughs> in a great way. It was, I had a great yeah. time till, you know, it, next day felt like crap again, but I had no gig the next day. I just had to lay on the couch and, mm. and then, one other, then I went to a, a baseball game where the, the Cubs. Um, you drink play. a lot of the Yanks. You drink a lot of at baseball games, don't you? It's kind yeah, of like- yeah. Sporting events are at, yeah, it's like yeah, it's all you do, right? You yeah. just drink a lot. So, but my brother and some friends of his were going up to, to uh, Milwaukee, which isn't far from here at all, like an hour or two up the road. Hmm. The Cubs were playing the Brewers in, in the baseball game, and we were tailgating in the parking lot. And I think my brother and his friends were staying like in an Airbnb up there and he's like well you can come and stay with us and i'm like man i'm just gonna have a couple beers and i'm gonna drive home after the game because the game was gonna get over like 10 o'clock at night hmm. we're only an hour and a half away i could drive home if i only have a couple beers i'll be fine yeah. and i thought like if i have a couple beers during the tailgating and none during the game i'll definitely be, be sober yeah. by the time i'm leaving well of course i only i i did have a couple during tailgate and then i had a couple na beers with me as well during the tailgate. But then once I got in the game, then I had another beer and I just, I had too much to, 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 to you know, more than I wanted to, to drive home mm-hmm. that far. So I ended up staying up there and th- this isn't that great of a story, but anyway, this was the last night I drank. I, I feel like this is going somewhere bad. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I it, we, we ended up going out to a bar afterwards and I got, 
I wasn't even really like super drunk, but just mm. too drunk to drive home. And I'm yeah. sleeping on, on like some dude's like sofa chair. Yeah, you know, there's a certain age where you don't want to be doing that. Like, yeah. And I woke up and the sun was all super bright in this room. And I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Hmm. And I drove home and I'm like, I'm taking a break for a while, as long as I can possibly go. And I, yeah. and I didn't really put like, I'm, I'm done drinking forever. I was just like, I'm taking, I'm going to try to do six months and see how I feel. Hmm. You know, that, that was the goal was six months. And I went that whole six months, and after that, I was like, I think I'm done. Yeah, the hardest thing to get over probably was the social aspect of not having something in your hand when you're yeah. at events and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and non-alcoholic beer helps with that. I, yeah. I I definitely got into that, and good thing that there's actually some solid uh, craft NA non-alcoholic beers here in the states. I think there's some over there too. I yeah. think there's Erdinger do a really nice one. Do you know that German yeah. beer? Mm -hmm. I've, I've tried. There's a there's actually a comp a company called Brewdog. Have you heard of them? Oh yeah, they're huge. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're actually building their first bar in Ireland at the moment. Okay, they 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 have a couple good NA beers hmm. that that kind of got me through those first couple of months. Yeah, and just to have something in the hand so you don't feel so awkward like standing yeah. around in the bar. Yeah. I remember going to a couple of weddings and I would have to stash oh, my own. I'd like bring my own, my, my, my own NA beers in. Cause yeah. I knew if they had any, they would be like old duels or something really terrible, you know, yeah, like yeah. something that I don't want to really drink all night. And so I would sneak my own NA beers to any of these weddings that I was going to. And what Jeff's was one of them. And, and I probably drank, you know, 10 of these beers just cause like, you're you're at a wedding, everyone's partying and having a good mm. time. I wanted to have something in my hand constantly. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I should switch to them after I have one or two real beers because uh, I, I was actually out two nights ago. We did a hometown show, which always just ends up being crazy. Like, sure, like half five in the morning or something. Just uh -huh. Too much. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I would do that very often here too. Like if, if a hometown show, like you just got ripped, you know. You're just like a teenager and, and you're all excited. Yeah, you're having a good time and you're having fun hanging out with your friends and 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 then and that's when you you make those bad decisions about eating too, right? Like after you've had you know the the ten beers and you need something to soak up all that alcohol. Yeah, I checked my phone the next morning. That was the last thing I checked. Are there any takeaways open still? <laughs> yeah. like there wasn't, so I don't know. I had to eat like toast or something before I went to bed. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's great. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you you were going to play a bit of bass, but we didn't really get around. To, to, no... Oh yeah, yeah. We don't have to. I, yeah. I, I just I, I have it hooked up in case you wanted to hear something, but I wasn't. Yeah, play um... something. To play 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 something to finish off just for the fun of it. All right. How long, we've, how long have we been chatting so far? Uh, Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm not in any big hurry to go anywhere. If you're not, I, I, cool. Yeah, yeah. If you have if you have more questions too, it doesn't. I'm ter I don't really do the questions. I kind of just see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were saying this is your first time doing a kind of um a podcast thing. It is. It is. Yeah. Or even like a kind of like interview about myself. Yeah. I've done interviews about you know like Steep Water or mm. you know a, a record coming out or you know that that type of thing, but never done just like a a, a chat about my own personal career. You know like how it's evolved or where it's gone yeah. or where it's I've at. I've been kind of following you since I saw you at Monaghan, like, so I was kind of keeping an eye on what you were doing, like, and then I, I thought it was interesting when I saw you were playing with Davey, because I see Davey all the time as well, like, so, and uh -huh. obviously it's nice to get someone playing kind of, I get all kinds of people on, like, in, bass instructors and people from 
so I don't think I've had many kind of people from the blues rock world. So it's mm-hmm. it's cool to have you on. Like, it's, uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Should I pick up the Ripper actually? Because I I want to buy a Ripper, but they're gone too expensive. They're they're crazy money now. Like, yeah, they've they've kind of jumped up in price in the last couple of years. Yeah, they're like thousands. I I suppose back when you started playing, they were probably pretty affordable, like a few hundred bucks or something. Well, I've 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 only had this since um, when did I get it? trying to think might have been 2018 17 or 18 hmm. i can't remember maybe try to get a little more of the it's such a cool looking base is it is it, it the is. grabber is the one what's the difference between a grabber and a ripper it's just that you can move the pickup is it on a... uh, well the, the yeah the, the the ripper has the two pickups and then the grabber has a couple different pickup situations they have like the one sliding one hmm. Which I've had a pretty cool idea. It does it work in is it practical in reality? Like, um, I I had one. It was a reissue, um, and it did it. It was the bass was a little bit too hot for my like. It was the pickup was really hot, and it Hmm. didn't work well with any pedals at all. Yeah, I hate that. I I find a lot of active basses are like that. They're too hot. And and I had it for maybe a year or so, and it was all right. But I think yeah the the Grabbers have the sliding pickup, and they also have ones that have like three pickups, mm-hmm. almost like the staple looking pickups. Yeah. Um, but I think all rippers have two. Yeah, it's Gibson really never like broke into the bass market. You don't see a lot of people playing them. No, I, I've always been really attracted to the, the Gibson basses. Like my first, um, I, I like I said, I had that that Ibanez. And then after that, I got a, I traded a, uh, that for like a jazz bass, a Fender jazz. Um, it might've been like a six, like an early sixties reissue. It was blue. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It sounded good. Um, and then, then my first Gibson was at EB2, which yeah. is a hollow body. Yeah, ja- with the oh, one, EB2. With the, oh yeah. Yeah. EB, the EBOs and EB3s are the SG bases. Yeah, yeah, Jack Bruce SG's. kind of used to play yeah, around yeah. a bit. And uh, this was uh, at EB2, so it was a hollow body, kind of like a 335 style, but a bass, hmm. short scale, one big humbucker right on the neck, um, really boomy sounding. It, it, it could, it had like this, um, some kind of switch in it where it would either sound like a, almost like a stand up, like almost no high end at all. Hmm super boomy or when you turn that off it was kind of super bright and i went through a couple like when i first got it i loved how big and fat that low end sounded but it was almost too much and then as i got a little bit better and started getting more adventurous with playing up the neck i felt like i didn't have as much going on up there with the with the boominess so i shut that switch off Hmm. and then that's when i started kind of compressing it more and then kind of adding low end on the amp or with the pedal and kind of fattening up that sound so but anyways um i had that that gibson bass that was a 69 i think and uh should probably get it back i kind of i sold it to a friend it's i know okay. i know where it is oh that's good <laughs> it's good to know where they, i haven't sold a lot of instruments i just sold had a really cool uh made in japan jaguar bass uh-huh. but i kept turning it off because I, I kind of do a lot of kind of strumming oh and there's those switches right those switches yeah so i was like Fuck this i'm selling this <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah this can you hear it yeah sounds really good it's coming through perfect 
Yeah, I've got like a little compression going on it right now too, and it, and it's also going through my. I got one of those uh, Universal Audio Volts, those newer mm. little uh, um things. Trying trying to think what they're called. And you know, you're endorsed. You you endorse Ampeg. Did, did did they give you the suite for your laptop? You know the. They did. They did. I heard that's awesome. amazing. I heard that's it absolutely is. class. It, yeah, it's killer. I don't think I can get my logic going right now and have that. I'm not. I'm not that tech savvy. I'm. I'm pretty tech savvy, but I don't, no, you don't need. I, to. I was just uh, out of curiosity. I was wondering, had you been using that suite, and did you find it yeah, really yeah. good? Like, I haven't really done it with any sessions yet. I've, I haven't had anything pop in, to, but I've done it. You know, just messing around at home and playing with it and stuff. It's yeah, it's really cool, man. You can pick different cabs. There's you know, you have an eight ten, a six ten. I think there's like a couple different eight ten cabinets mm-hmm. you can choose from. You can get a fifteen. Um, I'd say the only thing they're really missing, and I guess it's it's called the SVT suite. So there's like three different SVTs or four. There's a classic. There's a, a vintage reissue that's got like a like a sixty nine and a seventy five emulation going on, mm-hmm. and then it has like the SV SVT Pro that's like more like the the modern, you know, like uh, <clears throat> I think it's like half solid state half like the it's a Two preamp, but like solid state back end, mm-hmm. I think, on the, the SVT4. But uh, yeah, it's really cool. I, I would say the only thing they're kind of missing would be cool to have like a B15 in there. Yeah, for that. In the V4, well. but it's called the SVT suite. So I think they're kind of trying to keep it more just mm-hmm. the SVTs. But I bet you they'll, they'll add those at some point. Yeah, I've, always sure. been, I've always been really attracted to Gibson basses. I don't know why. Like, I just. I like the look. Like, it's, it's really cool. Like, original. It, it's got this switch where, like, this is the two pickups out of phase. I don't know if you can really. Oh, it's, on, it's coming through perfect. And then this switch is just uh, the pickups in uh, parallel, I believe. Yeah. Have you got flats on as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I play all flats. And then this is just the bridge pickup. It has a very uh, a broad spectrum of sounds. Like the bridge yeah. sounds really kind of honky. Compared yeah, to yeah. The... This almost kind of has like a like a jazz kind of sound, you know, in parallel. And then this one's in series, so it adds a little bit more low end. I use that more than anything. Like hmm. it's almost always in the series mode where it just kind of, I mean, that, that sounds like a Gibson bass to me. Yeah. Exactly. Like, this, this sounds more like a Fender. Yeah. There's also a little mid range switch too, that it's, it's pretty subtle, but it's, And did you ever, would you ever fight a lot of engineer uh, producers wouldn't really, they always just say, use a P bass. Would, are the producers happy enough when you pull this thing out to play on an album? When I brought this one in, in my P bass to the session for Davey's new record, he liked the P bass more for sure. They yeah. always, because it's just so easy to mix in, isn't it? The P bass, yeah, they always yeah. like the P bass. Yeah, I, I, I think I might have played a couple, couple tunes with this one. And 
yeah, for the most part, it was all the P base. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy. And I feel like it, like he kind of got it set and dialed in and he was just like, that's the one, you know, that's mm-hmm. the, that's the sound we're going for. So, but yeah, I, 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 I did convince him to use it on a couple tunes. Yeah. I'll definitely, if they do a reissue or if Harley Benton do like a knockoff <laughs> version, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love I mean, to pick one up. I mean, I mean, keep your eyes peeled, you know, you never know. Like, like I, I got this, I think I spent, it was under two. I think it was like maybe like 1500. Hmm. Yeah, that was a good price for one. Yeah, it's a it's a seventy six. My P bass cost more than that. That was three. Did you do you ever get into playing like a solo kind of bass stuff? Play playing solos. Yeah, or even just so, a P solo pieces and that kind of thing. Did you ever get in into that side of um, bass? Not not really so much like the like the jazz soloing kind of mean. Uh, or, well, or like, even just or even just like the Victor Wooten does like pieces like where he just plays everything on the bass like I, I got into a bit myself but they're more like party pieces like I wouldn't do it at a gig <laughs> 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 well our, our, our guitarists have a lot of problems with these pedals lately so I've actually got I've got a chance to play a few solo pieces just to oh yeah to fill up the, the space yeah I mean I've done like you know like you're kind of like all right here's your little bass solo moment you know in, in steep water I had one and then with Davey there's a tune I do a little solo in but what would your your approach to like for me the best bass solo ever is like willie weeks did you ever hear that one on the, uh, don, the one donna hathaway song yeah Donna's. yeah yeah it's ridiculous yeah would that be your kind of approach to a bass solo okay um i've always kind of gone more the uh like andy frazier or jack bruce more style like mm. the one my, my one of my favorite bass solos is the mr big bass solo from free do you know that are you into free at all or uh i i don't i don't know much of their songs but i've been told uh, people keep telling me i should check them out because i play up high on the bass a lot and they keep saying oh you're like andy fraser but i've not i've never really listened to him much oh yeah man you should check him out it's like like there, there's a couple like, there's a studio version of it and there are like multiple live versions you can find on youtube but there's the one that's on the live album it's called free live hmm. and you can sing it like it's so melodic, but it's mean and it's cool mm. and it's got this like grit to it. And it he played he played an EB three, so he kind of had like that Jack Bruce. He played I think he played through a Marshall or an Orange or something too. So it definitely has like that overdriven tone. And uh, have you ever covered it in a band? Like played that tune? We did Steepwater a long time ago. Had a song called Government Graffiti that we would go into the Mr. Big bass solo at the end of it. So do you remember any of the parts I'm putting you on the um, spot now? Little, yeah, it's, it's, it's all like, it's in E. It kind of, like, the, the, the guitar's going back and forth from e, e to D. See, the guitar's going... So I think most of the stuff he's doing is like... E, uh... That Mixlodeon. Yeah. So he, he does like a lot of. Yep. 
like that. That's cool. Yeah, I like all, I like that style of bass playing. I, I I must get in. Yeah, your bass actually sounds a bit like Eddie Lee there now. Whatever set oh. you have on, it's kind of jazzy sounding. <laughs> I I think this kind of has like a like a. It's it has a Gibson personality, but it kind of has. I think they might have been trying to get it to be in that ballpark of a jazz bass. Hmm. You know, like because the EB threes have like their distinct sound. And they had the EB2s, which were like a big hollow bodies. And they had the, 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 the Gibson, uh, the Les Paul signature, which is like the, like the, like, like the Jack Cassidy's. Hmm. Um, so I think, but I think this bass, they are trying to kind of be like a jazz bass. It has like that. It just never really took off the, the Gibson bass thing. Like a few uh, people did. played them, but I don't, I say, I say they don't make much money from selling basses. <laughs> Thank God for the Les Paul, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I always liked this one because Danko played one. Mm. Rick Danko. I, I, had I'd be more familiar with Chris Novoselic from Nirvana. He was. Uh, yeah, he had one. these two, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, he had. Did he played these and the Grabbers both? I, I think I so. Think. Yeah. Um, I think Danko was like kind of the first guy to kind of make him popular. Mm. At least. At least that I saw, you know. And he has actually played at Ampeg, that weird Ampeg bass as well. Uh -huh. Yeah, the scroll top. Yeah, did you ever get it, get your hands on one of those? They're pretty I have rare. A I friend, I have a friend who has one. They're they're cool, man. Like they're, uh, they're definitely a little quirky. Yeah, you know, like they're neck heavy. You would think they have that huge scroll top mm. on the on the you know, on the headstock, and it's so it's got a huge neck dive. Mm. It, but the neck on it was kind of like a P bass. Was like a real thick you know, maybe like a C kind of profile. Um, and he had put a, I think he put like a P bass pickup in it because they only, I think there was one point where they, they did come out with a pickup that was kind of right here, but the early ones were like, they called them the mystery pickup because they were like more like in the bridge. It was a Piazzo kind of thing, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. And they were just big and boomy. They didn't really have a whole lot of tone. They were just hmm. um, kind of trying to be like a big stand up, you know, stand-up bass i think they're trying to cater to that audience of of musician that maybe the guy that's still kind of locked into playing the double bass but he knows he wants to play he needs to play electric to get into the get into the the club with everybody yeah. else so but, can be heard like yeah and, and be heard that too but um so i think a lot a lot of guys were putting p bass pickups in those ampeg bases hmm. to give them a little more cut uh, were you, were you saying Ampeg is based in Chicago? The, are they still based there, the company? No, no, not. They started here. Mm -hmm. um, they um, just a few blocks from here. I, I live in a, in a neighborhood called Uptown. Um, and it was on just maybe like a few blocks south of here. It, this I, I remember reading. I can't, I'd have to get the book out to find the exact thing. And I know it's on my bio. I can't remember. Oh, I read it there earlier. It was like yeah, uh, Everett Hall, I think, was was doing the stuff here, right? He, he, put, he put the peg into a double bass with uh, yeah, the yeah. amplifier in it. And then amp peg was the product. Exactly. That, that was yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. And I and I think that he moved to New York after that. That's where he met um, the other guys from Ampeg that started the company. I, I'm drawing a blank on names, but um and they 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 developed the amplifiers that you know the b15 and um yeah it's but it's kind of cool that it's a few blocks away from me was where yeah. they, they kind of it was it was kind of born you know that's class yeah but 
Yeah, I, I, you're, you were gonna, um, you kind of asked about the Ampeg stuff. I guess anybody that's, I'm not saying it's easy, easy to get like an endorsement, but I mean, I, I was playing, you know, their amps for years. I got endorsed by them in, in 17, 16, or I think it was 16, 2016, but I've been playing their basses for at least, or, or amps for at least 20 years. Hmm. And, um, I just wrote the guy, their A&R guy and was like, Hey man, like I'm out here kind of playing your amps already and I love them and I'm, I'm going to play them regardless. I yeah. just thought I'd see if you, you, know, you, you know, be interested in, in endorsing me and, or working with me, you know? And he was like, man, I kind of thought you were already part of the team. Let's do this. And I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. So it, it was, it was, it was a really cool, really cool thing to be, be included in that family. You know, it's, I, there's so many amazing artists and musicians that have been, that they've been playing Ampeg and been endorsed by Ampeg. It's, an honor to be uh included in that you know and do they do they get will they get you a rig if you're on tour make sure there's an ampeg at this, this the venue or um, you have them yourself kind of bringing them around well when we tour here in the states 90 percent of the time we travel in the van and i have my own with me um and if we if we're doing overseas stuff you know like if i guess i haven't done that with davy enough yet to we haven't gone overseas yet, mm. so I haven't really had to work with that. But the the beauty of Ampeg is is that almost every backline company has them. You know, yeah, like, I've never done a festival that didn't have it. Yeah. It wasn't an SVT like that they were using. Yeah, so it's for the most part every every um um every every backline company, every festival, a lot of gigs, touring companies will have an Ampeg, so it, mm. that hasn't really been an issue yet. Because I know the drum companies are crazy when it comes to that. Yeah, guys who are endorsed by them, no, they can never like they. Sometimes you do a festival and it's in the contract that you have to use the backline. Uh, uh-huh. Some guys are endorsed by these companies; they're not allowed to use any other drum kit except whatever DW. So they'd mm-hmm. have to like have a bit of a argument with it. the festival. <laughs> like I'm not playing the house kit; I'm not allowed. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. My, my contract isn't like that. I don't even know if I have a contract with them. You know, there's nothing like stipulates I, I have to play ampeg all the time i just do if i can you know like mm. but there has been a time or two where we've walked into a club and or a or a festival and they're like you have to play this amp and i'm like really i'd rather not i'd mm. rather bring my own in it's right in the van you know yeah. but they're, they're kind of you know insisting on it um but that, that's very rare you know and do you do any other projects like apart from the Davy Band? Do you play around Chicago? I don't know what's this. My my um, old music teacher and his wife live in Chicago, but I'm not sure what the scene is like there. They're not gigging that much anymore. Like, oh uh, no, um, I did during the pandemic. Um, this guy Corey Dennison asked me to to join his band. His bass player had left the group, um, and they were, but the gigs were so far and few between still that it wasn't really like I was playing that much, but. I mean, Davey had pretty much shut down in, in 2020. We didn't, I think we played once, once the lockdowns happened in March, I think we played like three shows in October with Davey and that was it. Hmm. And then I think with Corey, I might've played, I don't know, like uh, maybe like 10 shows that year. Now that, that it was fun. It was a blues gig. 
like a blues R&B kind of Chicago soul thing. It was fun. It was d- different, a different vibe than Davey or Steepwater. It was still in that blues realm, so it was still in my world, but it was it was cool. It was it was it took me out of my box a little bit, so that was nice. It must be nice to be playing in a treat. Well, Steepwater was always a four piece, was it? You always had two guitars. Well, we were a trio when we started. It was mm-hmm. Steepwater was a trio when we started, and then we had an, a fourth guy who played guitar, harmonica, and sang. And then he left the band, and then we were a three piece for another I don't know maybe five or six years, and then and then Eric joined the band, and then we were another two two guitars. So, mm-hmm. um, both have their perks, you know. Like like I I I think I like the three piece a little bit more. Yeah, I, like I wouldn't f- be a fan of playing in a band with two guitars because no, no, not at all. You can get away with so much stuff on the bass when there's no second guitars. Stuff that you wouldn't do because you would just be standing on his territory. Sure. And yeah. you, you could just be more jammy because if you do, you're, there's three of you are going to follow each other no matter what path you take. But if there's uh-huh. four people, it's a lot more brains to try and follow the same. Definitely. Path. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It, it's the less people in the band, it's easier to, to, to maneuver around when you're just jamming like that mm-hmm. for sure. You, I guess that one person can do one little thing and you can kind of go off on a, on a tangent hmm. go in that direction but yeah with with four people it's harder to get everyone to go in that area you know uh, what did you like about having a second guitar when you were saying you liked it sometimes i, I think that the other uh, the only thing i did like about it or i wouldn't say the only thing i liked about it but what i did like about it is that it, it kind of frees you up from being like so much like i gotta play gotta play gotta play gotta play like hmm. when you're in a three-piece there's a lot of sound to fill up right yeah you gotta like you gotta con I'm not gonna say you have to constantly play, you can't play tastefully, but when you have that fourth piece, whether it's keyboards or guitar, you can the bass can kind of back out a little bit and kind of you can pick and choose your spots of what to do and it gives you a little bit more freedom to do some different things. It's just it's it's a different perspective or different, you know. But I I I'd to say like I like the three piece a little bit more. Yeah, it's fun. Like I've heard a bass player, I think you get to do a lot more. Uh, and will you for the next Davy record? You hopefully will you guys probably jam stuff out. You might start collabing maybe and writing some stuff together. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I I, I think so. Yeah, we we'd started writing a few things um, prior to this record that came out, but just none of those tunes seemed to make the record. Um, and he did he did a lot of writing with the producer Eric which was cool. And the songs are really good. I, I mean, I really love the record a lot and, and it's been, it was really fun to play, play on it. It, it was an experience because we, we really worked hard. I think we did basic tracks in four days. It was cra- like crazy <laughs> fast. <laughs> and, and did you have a lot of tunes to learn when you joined the band? Like, cause Davey has a load of albums. Is it, is yeah, it yeah. Like you need to know his entire back catalog or you're kind of working on the new stuff at the gigs. Um, it was it was both, you know. It was it was yeah. Like I, I had to learn a lot of songs right out of the gate for sure. And and um, well, I wasn't tell a story. It, and it's it's funny because like he he doesn't like to rehearse a whole lot. Good man, so, my but, kind of man. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 which is cool because I mean, Steepwater didn't rehearse either. But when we did rehearse, we did like like mm-hmm. 
we we pounded tunes into the ground until we got yeah. them and then then it was like okay then we never re- need to rehearse again like mm-hmm. w- once we got the tunes down you go play them live and then that's then they take a whole new direction live or you that's that's the rehearsing you know that's the the playing the songs through mm-hmm. but when i joined davy's group we got together and it was like okay you know play the song like twice i'm like man i could love going through that tune like four more times just so it's like crammed in my head a little mm-hmm. bit more <laughs> but it, you, you just kind of have to roll with stuff how they how how different yeah. people work you know it becomes more organic then like the band you can kind of you get to gel with each other and i think what's that uh Vulpec, <clears throat> they're kind of obsessed with not over practicing he, he won't <clears throat> ever show them volpec no oh, okay kind of funk band uh-huh, uh-huh. so when they record uh, he doesn't let them hear the songs at all before the studio and then i think they just play it once and they, the second oh, wow. time would be the finished version he's kind of obsessed with <laughs> losing that spontaneity if they uh-huh. overdo it like and that's that's a cool thing and i and i think for the studio that's like like when we when we need when we did the tunes um for uh what happens next we weren't we weren't very rehearsed with those tunes at all like we even less than rehearsing for the live gigs like it was mm-hmm. like we kind of went through them enough just to kind of know the changes because we didn't know we wanted to leave it kind of open-ended for inspiration for let the producer kind of do his thing. Um, and, and, and I, and, and after having that experience with Mark Ford, I really enjoyed having that kind of experience and, and being so spont have, have that spontaneity and that improv, you know, like you're, you're, you're making up lines in the spot, you know, like yeah. you, you might hear something in your head and you have to figure out what you're, what you're hearing and, and play it, you know? Yeah. You get and, it kind of go away from your, the tired shapes that you play all the time when you mm-hmm. when you get put into that situation you're yeah. it's more free you're it's like you said you're you're playing what's in your head not just letting your fingers fall into the patterns they always do yeah and and, and i think for the for the most part when i would write a baseline i tried it i mean sometimes i would you know pick up a bass if you know if jeff wrote a song or davy writes a song when i'm coming up with a baseline sometimes i would you know noodle on my bass until i came up with something i liked but for the most part it was i i would already kind of hear in my head what I wanted to play. And then I would just have to figure it out on my bass. You know, like I, I like the bass parts to be a part, you know, yeah. like, like what I love about McCartney so much is, is that his bass parts you know, in, in he improvises a lot too. You can tell like, cause one verse might be this and one verse might be a little bit different, hmm. but for the most part, he's, he has a part and it's very melodic or it's very much, a part of the song it's a hook right like everything yeah. i like music that's hooky you know mm-hmm. like not necessarily pop music but you know you know good rock and roll bands are hooky you know like, yeah yeah and, and i like my bass parts to have a hook you know like whether a person you know might, might not they might realize it they might go hey man that bass line's really hooky or it might just be something that subliminally hits them in their head because bass mm-hmm. isn't one of those instruments like a guitar part or a vocal part that everyone's listening to. Exactly. But at the same time, it could influence how someone feels or, or reacts to the other parts in the song, you know? Yeah, I was listening to your some of the records, and I noticed a lot of times you don't copy the guitar riff exactly. You like you drop you change one or two notes or you dropped out a few notes so that it yeah. gave it a different kind of flavor, like with instead of just being straight up playing note for note the, the guitar riff. Yeah, I've 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 always tried to kind of do that too. Like, 
And there's some songs where you have to like I'm pounding the guitar riff. You're like, there's mm. no other way to do this, but but just hit 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 do what he's doing, mm. you know, and back him up. But yeah, I, I think doing that a little I mean like when you listen to those old records, you know, like Zeppelin and, and bands like Free and, and the the Stones and the Beatles, like that's how their bass lines were. They they weaved in and out of those guitar yeah. parts, right? Like they locked in with the drums here, then they locked in with the guitar, then they played with the horns or, or whatever. Like it would, it was kind of a weaving thing. And I, I think that listening to that kind of music so much through the years is just, you know, kind of it's Im- embedded in how I approach the in- instrument, you know, like I want to be a little bit different than what the guitar player is doing. Yeah. When I'm learning I some geezer butler tunes or he's like that as well, very jammy. Like I learned the main motif, but I don't know how these guys on YouTube transcribe the songs with all the little things. Cause like it, when I'm, I'm writing it down, I'll be like, Oh, just pentatonic improvise. In these yeah, parts. exactly. Like, like, I don't know how they copy all the little McCarthyisms and cause he just goes off on one sometimes and you mm-hmm. know, he's just improvising. He's never going to play that the same again. Like, yeah. Like Jack Bruce too. Right. Like yeah. there's videos with guys doing, you know, crossroads and the live version of crossroads and they got every bass lick down. And I'm like, I don't think Jack Bruce knows how to play that. Like, no way. He did Definitely it live not. and it's done. Like, it's gone in the air. It's gone. Yeah, like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> he's just improvising in the pentatonic blues, you know, like, and mm. in, in going off. And so I, I, I've I've never really learned tunes like that either. I'll do the same kind of thing. I'll learn the, the main riff and, and maybe, a, oh, that's a cool lick. I want to learn mm. how to do that. Yeah, you know, like, you want to pick up some bits and pieces. Um I mean, I think that that free bass solo I was playing earlier was like that would might have been the only thing I've ever like gone. I want to learn how to play this note for note because I love it the whole mm. thing. And even though he's improvising that too, yeah, you know, because there's other like I said, there's other versions that he's doing where he's playing way more notes, and it's not nearly as catchy to me. But for some reason, that one version that's on that live album is just it's you could sing it. You know, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, that album I'm really in, into at the moment is the John Mayer one he did with Pino Palladino, not the, the trio. Okay, I'm, I'm not a massive John Mayer. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a massive John Mayer fan, but I'm a massive Pino Palladino fan. So I said I'll mm-hmm. check this record out, and he's playing is uh, unbelievable on it, especially for someone who plays in a blues rock band. I'm like getting so many ideas. Like he just is doing all this crazy stuff I never thought of doing. Like really yeah. nice, interesting runs and stuff. So I did actually transcribe most of that record note for note just to get what pino was doing like that's cool that's cool yeah that's a, that's a great licks. band man yeah um steve jordan on drums it's he's such a good drummer man he he just like lays it down he's in the and, stones now isn't he i think he's he like, is yeah yeah some gig <laughs> some yeah gig <laughs> yeah i mean he was he was he was in keith's band for a long time you know like hmm. i don't know if you've heard um Keith's two solo records from the early nineties, but Steve no. Jordan produced and played drums on those. They're really good. I don't know if you're the big stones fan or not, but not really. It's just a band that I haven't, you know, I know all the Beatles stuff and uh, yeah. a black, I'm a huge black Sabbath fan. Led Zeppelin. Okay. I haven't got around to the stones yet. As you get older, you're very slow to consume bands. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like, like I feel like as I've gotten older, there were a lot of bands that like I didn't care for growing up i i like the like the stones ever since i've i've been in them for since i was in my early 20s or late teens and but some other bands like like even like u2 for example like i never really ever got into u2 when i was a kid when in high school when they were huge popular and i'm not like buying their records now but i could put 
hear a song I'm like man, that's a really good fucking song <laughs> yeah the, the age yeah. gets a lot of um slack online but it, he's actually so influential on all the session guitarists in the world every time you yeah. listen to a record on the radio the guitarists are doing stuff the edge kind of invented for mm-hmm. for producing rock songs and how you layer guitars and stuff yeah all those yeah all the weird effects you'd use or the, mm. the, the, the delays mixing the delays together and mm. yeah yeah, your man has a great bass collection. Uh, Adam Clayton, the bass player, he's had so I, many signature um, Fender basses. He just has uh, <laughs> crazy ones. <laughs> he gets a lot of crap online too for yeah. You know, he does in, he, in the bass world, you know. Yeah, most I'd love to get him on here now because I've seen him in a few podcasts and they didn't talk about bass at all with him. It's just like oh, really, just talk about the fact you live in France and being <laughs> you too. But it's like I'm sure he has plenty to talk about being playing the bass. He's been doing it his whole life, like. Yeah. And he's solid, man. You yeah. know, like it's, he's doing his job, you know, and I don't know if, you know, would, would Pino Palladino sound great in that band? I, it's not, and it's not as easy as you think to play that consistently for yeah. the whole night. Cause your, your mind could drift. Like it, that's a skill in itself. Like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me to sit down and play a baseline the same way, like for like five minutes, like some, th- there was a dude, a friend of mine that was doing, um, some baseline and he was just like, I'm going to try to play this baseline the same way with the same inflection for five minutes. Mm. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to learn what he was doing. So I sat down and learned the baseline and like, I got it. I might do it for like a minute and I'm like, all right, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've, you've got it, distracted. It, yeah. I get distracted. Someone texts her or you see, you know, want to learn a different song or it's so easy to, to not, I, I find that when I am playing music with other people, it's, it's, it's easier, easier to, to focus, you know, when you're by yourself, it's so hard to, to, to not get distracted. And, do you practice much at home? Like, do you have kind of a, a regime of practice? Um, lately I have. Yeah. Like, um, when I was in Steepwater, I didn't much because we were on the road so much and I would come home and, you know, I was working part-time jobs for a lot of it too. Like I was working at Starbucks or through this, you know, like little kind of part-time jobs. So I, you know, between being on the road and working, I was exhausted and, and, and wanting to hang out with my wife and do the, you know, do social type of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to get back from tour though, isn't it? You're like, I'm so tired. I just want to sleep for two weeks. But then yeah, like, exactly. the people back home, they, they, they want you to hang out with. Them. Yeah, exactly. That too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's roads a tough life. It's not for everybody, but yeah, there, there would be times I remember coming back from the road and like, I, I wouldn't take my bases out of the cases. They would just stay. I wouldn't even, I don't want to look at them for a few days, you know, yeah. but um, lately I've been practicing a lot. Just been trying to get better at, at work at least a, at least a good, you know, couple hours a day on stuff, you know, Try, trying to, trying to open my mind to different things, mm, get more knowledge. Yeah, a couple of hours is, is a nice bit of practice time to put in. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to like learn, everything I know what I, 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 every time I, I wouldn't say every time I take any lesson, I'm like, I, I'm not say I know everything about the instrument, but so oftentimes I, I pick it up and I'm like, here's this lesson. Oh, I already kind of do that. But that's yeah. now I'm, I'm, I'm focusing my, I'm making myself learn it because I want to know what I'm doing. Hmm. Did you ever you think know? of getting lessons yourself? Like as an adult, because I, I um, actually get lessons at the moment from a guy and it's really good. It's crazy. Yeah. He's just pointing out all the stuff of the little things I've bad habits and things like that. Sure, sure. I, 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 I probably should. I, I've actually signed up for 
like a little bit of a Scott base lesson thing, not like the monthly deal, but like mm-hmm. one of just the, the fretboard accelerator yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. I, I, I signed up for that just to kind of get a different perspective on what I was doing. And it's just all like ma- like right now we're just doing like major triad type stuff. That's kind of class so that like a bass player like yourself, you've been professional bassist for how many years? 30 years probably at this stage. <laughs> 20 years anyway, more. And then you're on SBL doing a course as well. Like yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I mean, it, I don't know if has anyone mastered it? I, I don't no, know. No, no. If you think you have, you're definitely, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way it is like. Yeah. There's always something to learn. I mean, I, I remember, you know, you could you could watch someone playing that's only been playing bass for like, you know, a year or two and go, wow, I never thought about doing that before. Like, mm. that's a, you, you, there's always someone to learn something from or, or di- get a different perspective on the instrument, you know, yeah. to think, you know, everything is very, I mean, I haven't, I haven't met too many musicians who think they know everything, but. I guess there's probably a few <laughs> that are uh, out there. I think the problem with the internet is you kind of end up getting sucked into all the flashy stuff. Not not for people who are gigging like yourself or me, like gigging all the time because we have to work on the fundamentals. But if you're not in a touring band, it's kind of hard to focus on that stuff because you want to learn all the flashy stuff. But yeah. you really need to focus on that stuff if you want to be a you know professional basis. You need to be able to lay it down for two hours and just play what, what needs to be done like. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think knowing knowing your role is is a huge thing in the bass world, right? And knowing mm. in, in in each band, each kind of music, and each kind of band, it could that job could be doing a lot of different things. You know, like if you're in a jazz band, doing you know playing a lot of licks, and and playing really fast, or playing in a metal band, playing really fast, like that yeah. that could be your thing. I've never played in either of those kind of bands, so I don't have the super fast chops that a lot of dudes have i, I did a, might have a, even... i did a dip gig sorry to interrupt. i did a, no, a, dip, a dip gig for a, a sludge metal band uh-huh. <laughs> and it was fucking challenging like it was just like it was just so hard to get my head around the riffs my bass was down tuned oh i had to learn all these crazy riffs and i was like after i was like fucking hell i, I can't wait <laughs> you really need to get the, the other bass player back because I'm. <laughs> I, this is not for me. Like you know, I, I thought it would be no bothers, but it, every genre is really specific, isn't it? You need to really go to school on that genre of bass, like. Yeah, and it, it's tough to to. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there who are um, can be a master of all those things, you know, who are really well read and, and like you know, like 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 Ian from Scott Bass Lessons. He can go play a jazz mm. gig or a rock gig or do synth bass stuff and play in a pop band. I mean, I'm definitely way more limited in my, you know, playing or even like my, my genre. I, I definitely have more of a, I'm in more of a box than, than a lot of guys, but I'm trying to open that up a little bit more, you know, I'm, you know, but yeah, I'm I also, I just want to have fun and play bass too. Well, I think that's okay too. <laughs> like when you know, like you're good at your thing and that they're very rare those people that are chameleons like pino's like that he's in 90s yeah, yeah. he's in the who he's in john mayer's band he's he does all those hip-hop records there's mm-hmm. not many people who can do that like just switch between the different genres and and not sound like they're just trying to fit in but they, they sound like they're part of it like yeah and they sound like themselves too right like yeah no matter what he's doing he sounds like pino you Definitely, know yeah yeah even when he's doing some john Ethwistle stuff he still has a little bit of that Pino thing, right? It's just effortless for him. Anyway, it's all I, I learned a bunch of his um fills 
but it's so effortless for him <laughs> when you learn them they're, they're really difficult but when you watch him playing yeah. them he i don't know he's probably just thinking about what he's going to watch on telly later on or something it's just yeah no problem <laughs> Yeah, like same with like like the Willie Weeks. Like you said, like like you watch videos from from you know the Donny Hathaway stuff, and it looks like he's barely moving his freaking hands, you know, and he's mm. so in the pocket and and playing such cool licks, you know. But no, but but you know he could play a blazing solo one minute, mm. and next minute next tune he's playing a groove that's so thick, and he's just repeating the shit out of that groove for you know minutes on end, you know. Mm. Like, um, that's a that's a great live record. And how are you finding the course, the SPL? Do you think you'll get a lot out of it? Like, it's your first time doing something like that. It is my first time doing like an online course like that. Yeah, it's it's cool. Um, it's at first it was pretty easy. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool because I'm. It's kind of it's doing do, like I say it's doing like just the triads of the major scale so far, right? So you're hmm. you're root third and fifths, but it's giving you the different inversions. Yeah, and then he's teaching you how to do those inversions within the first five frets and how to go around the circle of fifths with it, mm. but he's going backwards. So it's actually the circle of fourths, which okay, I didn't yeah. realize that that works like that. Like if you go backwards. Yeah. I have a picture of it. Of... All, that was Chris, my teacher. He, he was obsessed with the circle of fifths. He had one on his yeah. kitchen floor, I think. So I've always have one wherever I, my music space is. I can see one yeah. there now. Like, so. Yeah. But I never realized that, I knew the circle of fifths, but I never realized if you went backwards, it was the circle of force. And yeah, yeah. And it takes you right back to where you, it's it's so such a cool music blows my mind sometimes. Like how that works, you know, like how they figure that out, and how it everything just kind of just magically kind of comes together. It's it's cool, but um, but now I'm on this head scratcher where they they they, they got all your inversions, and now it's like okay, now I want you to play it forward and backward, you know, up and down. Just ascending and descending and now i'm kind of like with the with the descending it's kind of like trying to like you know my, my brain's going like just <laughs> it's fighting me of wanting to, to learn it you know but you really i think it's good when you pay for these i've paid for a bunch of courses when you pay for them you really put in the time sure yeah, like, yeah you i'm not paying for this i'm gonna practice yeah. uh-huh exactly yeah and and i feel like it's you know it's it's cool because it's, it's taking me out of my box. It's making me learn. Although I might not be doing anything I haven't done before. It's, it's making me learn how to do it. And I'm also trying to like, make sure I'm, I'm not just like learning the patterns and my hands are starting to magically go there because it's muscle memory either. Mm -hmm. Right. I want to know this one, you know, like, one of the main things he teaches when he's going through it all is, is to kind of verbalize and visualize. So like when you, every time you go to the next step, your next scale, your next chord, you say it before you, you hit it. Hmm. So you say C, then you say F, then you say B flat. It, it, I, so then you actually, you're putting words and knowledge with your hands. It's hmm. not just your hands moving magically. Because you know how it is. Like Even like once you learn a song, you might learn that song, but eventually when you're playing it, you're not thinking about, I'm playing it A. No. Sometimes you're just playing it. Like like you're you in your hands go where they should, right? Mm. Like or you might improvise a little bit, but like you're not really thinking about it too much either, you know? Which is cool. Yeah, I got into a lot of that where I had a my base is actually here. I don't know if it will it come through, like, but I was getting into mm. a lot of that kind of inversion stuff myself in the last while, like and it's not something I really thought about when I was starting. 
when I started bass originally. So. kind of stuff is cool when you're learning the inversions uh-huh without doing, doing these online courses i never really kind of got into it because <laughs> i didn't hear it that much in the music i was learning so that's what's really cool when you discover these new techniques that you don't hear in the records you're into yourself with sure and, and it might not be something that is really like something you would want to throw into a song because but it might be something that you have fun playing at home <laughs> you know yeah. or you can or you can apply that to a song and not play the chords, but just pick out the notes or it's, it's, it's cool when, you know, you learn something and then you can apply it. Maybe manipulate it a little bit to fit into what and make it work, you know, hmm. but at I the same time, you don't want to force it. No, you don't want to, I definitely found a way to start incorporating those cards, but in a three piece, like we discussed, you can kind of get away with anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd be playing bass cards if there was an organ player or a, second guitarist because sure. they'd mm. be filling up that space like what kind of amp do you use live uh i just well i've gone through a bunch of a tra trace elliots but i kept i have five broken ones so i don't oh, use wow. them anymore <laughs> so i'm using um tc electronic i don't know where it is now so i just okay. find them really reliable they sound good not probably not as good as the ampegs but they're just super reliable never had a mm. single one because ireland it can be pretty cold sometimes in the winter it's very damp not ideal conditions for storing apps <laughs> in bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, TC, just because they're really reliable, it sounds really good, but all, the main, because I went through Warwick and Trace and they just kept breaking because uh -huh. we, we, we do 100, used to do 110, 120 gigs a year as well. Like, and I've had amps wow. go on fire and everything while I'm playing. Like, <laughs> the, the tweeter went on fire, the smoke started coming out, but I was still able to play the amp. Play the, the tweeter? Gig. Yeah, the tweet because I use loads of fuzz, like uh -huh. the, the tweeter started burning and the smoke was coming out, but yeah, oh, I could oh, wow. still finish the gig. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, it's I all re reliable for me. Like, I've had a, I've, I've had an amp smoke up on stage before. I had a, I had an old uh, my my first proper bass amp was a Sun concert bass head. I th They're I cool. Was, They're really cool. Still, all the yeah. stoner rock bands use them. Yeah, and um, it was like a late seventies head, and the cabinet was cool too. It was a two fifteen cabinet that was a had like this reflex thing, so it had like baffles that kind of like had. It was almost kind of like a sub type of thing, like where it got you got back the back of the speaker coming out. I think acoustics were like that too, kind of right. Mm -hmm. But acoustics were almost all that. Like the speaker wasn't even facing forward. Is that correct? Yeah. I never saw when I just obviously they're famous because Jacko played them, but the company yeah. kind of just disappeared then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Sun amp, I had that. And I remember I was playing that at a gig and next thing you know, I see smoke coming out of it. And that was a solid state thing too. So I, I think it might've gotten like a power surge or yeah, who knows what happened or maybe tr transformer fried up. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I nearly had an amp destroyed one night uh, doing a pub gig. This guy put his pint on my amp. Oh no. And yeah, I was shaking, so like I got really pissed off, and I like took his pint off him, and like I just pushed him, said just get out, get lost, like, and he yeah. went crazy, like shouting abuse at me. So he got thrown out by the bouncers, and then he just stood at the window of the venue shouting in abuse at me. Uh, so that the police walked past, and they're like, 
Yeah, all right. And it turns out he had loads of cocaine on him and he got arrested. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was just playing the gig. I said, well, that's your serves you right for putting a pint on my ampli. <laughs> but... Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've, I've lost many beers that way by putting them on my amp. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that usually. <laughs> I, I stopped doing that after maybe like four or five vibrated off. And then you make it through the one gig where it doesn't go anywhere. And then, oh, okay, well, I, I could do this again. But then, yeah, the dumb idea. But I've never, I've never lost an amp or had anything damaged because of it mm. just lost a beer, you know? Yeah, I'm sure the Ampegs are very reliable as well. Probably like the, the TC the TC stuff goes through a lot of, I think they leave the amp on in a shed. It is it Norway that they're based or somewhere up there? Okay. And I think wow. they leave the amps in a shed turned on for like a year. Uh-huh. And then wow. come back and check is it still before, working. Before it's sold, they it, it it sits there for a year. Part of the kind of when they're doing the prototypes, kind of like for the quality. Oh, okay, okay. Because my amp, I know when it's really cold, it has some kind of bypass. It won't make a sound. It, the mute. It won't turn off mute until it has got to a certain level. Until it warms up. Yeah. Huh. Is it and tube or solid state? Just solid state, but it has that cool feature. Huh. Like that is cool. Wow. Because uh, sometimes you open your case over here, the whole your base would be like wet, just covered in like condensation. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine what that does to the electronics inside in your yeah. Your amp, yeah. Like. I used to keep a lot of my stuff in the van and everything too, like in the winters. And I don't know, I never really had much of a problem. I got lucky, I guess. I mean, every once in a while you got to, you know, amp goes out and you got to get it serviced and retubed or whatever. But luckily I've been uh, pretty fortunate lately with that, with, with that luck and my pedal board too. Like I've even, I used to keep my pedal board in steep water. I don't think I ever really took much out of it at all. Cause we were, in and out of the van, like just, I would come home and I would, I'd only have three or four days at home before mm. I went right back out in the van again. So I'm like, why do I want to drag all my stuff back home just to put it back in the trailer again? And yeah, so yeah. I just left it in there, whether it was, you know, 90 degrees out, which it could be, you know, Chicago weather is all over the place. It's, mm. you know, in summers it could be 90 or a hundred. And then in the wintertime it could be, you know, negative two. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the difference is that. <clears throat> Actually, do you still go to uh, Buddy Guy's you No know, Legends? Is that still going? Does he still? Play it's still there? open, yeah. Yeah, it's still it's still open. He still does a residency there in uh, January. He does like he plays like the whole month of January, like almost every night. That's crazy. He must be like nearly ninety at this day. He's in his eighties at least. Like. Yeah, he's definitely in his eighties. Yeah, he still still goes out and tours as well. You know, like he's he's a busy dude. You've, you've, probably last... met him. you've met him, have you, over the years? Yeah, yeah, a few yeah. times. Yeah. I mean, you know, briefly, you know, I didn't really chat it up with him too much, but mm. yeah. Yeah, Remember I saw what... that you. Sorry, go on. No, go, go ahead. No, no, I, I was just going to say, I saw you played with T Model Ford, and uh, a few people I know met him once, and he they heard he's an absolute character. Oh, he's a character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He told us we were downstairs in the in the green room, and this the venue called double door and uh he uh he told us he's like you better put a stamp on your lady so i know which ones are yours or i'll be hitting on them <laughs> i was about to say that's what it was always about the ladies he was yeah. a real fu a funny guy like because he came over here and toured and he did all the tiny a lot of tiny venues i was thinking uh -huh. but i suppose if you're a blues guy you'd have heard of him but the general public wouldn't he wouldn't wouldn't have enough people knowing who he was to sell out venues and stuff but he was in yeah. the 90s 
and he was chasing all these Irish girls at the gig. I was thinking, this guy is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's a character for sure. He was cool, though. Yeah, yeah. What was this drummer's name? So it was just a him and a drummer, I think, mm -hmm. right? Did you go yeah, see him? That, yeah, I saw him. That's kind of the Fat Possum Records, that record company. Yeah. That's kind of a thing, isn't it? You, you don't yeah. have a bass player. You have a drummer and guitar singer. Yeah, that, that, that North Mississippi blues kind of vibe with him and T-Model Ford and, and um, who's the other guy? That, oh, uh, you have, uh, what's the guy with the mask? Uh, Bob Log the Third. Have you seen Bob him? Bob Log, yeah. yeah but even before, crazy. even before him, who's the... Oh, um, R.L. Burnside. R.L. Burnside, yeah, Burnside, and, and yeah, all those dudes. That was definitely a scene, yeah, like no bass player, maybe, maybe even sometimes two guitar players, but one guitar could kind of do the bass a little bit. I have bit. to say I'm a, I'm a massive fan of that type of blues. It's probably one of my favorite type, even though there's no bass. But yeah, <laughs> it's really cool, especially R.L. Burnside's. He did a lot of albums with like hip hop guys and punk bands near the end of his career. And those albums yeah, yeah, are yeah, really yeah. cool. Ass Pocket of Whiskey and all that, yeah. those records. Yeah, I have those. Yeah. Yeah, Steepwater was really like when we when Steepwater started, we were really influenced by a lot of those those. But we had a you know, I I wasn't about ready to walk out of the jobs, <laughs> but we were influenced by, we had a bass player. You mm. know, like we, we tried to kind of, we were as influenced by that as we were Chicago blues or Southern rock. Yeah, it's and, been very um, groovy kind of music, isn't it? That, that yeah. type of blues has yeah. a certain kind of lazy kind of beat to it always. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a tune called uh Steepwater tune called down in Chicago that has that kind of, R.L. Burnside, T-Model 4 kind of vibe. And have you yeah. seen Bob Logg perform before? He's, he's I haven't brilliant. seen him. I've seen videos and stuff and, and heard songs, but yeah, he's... See the guy that has the telephone mask? Yeah, we, were, we, yeah. we played with him before and we went out for points with him after, but sure no one knew who he was because when he had the, he mask, the mask off. off yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's for anyone who hasn't seen him, he comes to Ireland all the time. He was actually here about a month ago. He, uh, he wears like an aviator helmet, and he puts a phone in the helmet, uh -huh. and then he wears things through the phone, right? Things through the phone. He wears a leather jumpsuit um, with "My shit is perfect" written on the back, and then he, <laughs> his guitar is wireless. Everything is wireless, so he comes through the crowd at the start of the gig, and he plays uh -huh. the drums with his feet. And then when the gig is over, he just walks off stage. Oh, and of course, he his party pieces. He always gets the, the women to come up and stir his whiskey with their, their nipples. That's oh, geez. <laughs> I know he's, he, but Crazy. he's actually, he's married man. Like, but he doesn't, when he's on, he does, it's just a stick that he does. Like he's, yeah, it's just, he's completely chilled out then backstage. It's just a character, <laughs> you know, you put on the mask and you do the thing. It's uh, just a character. It's nothing else. Like, but sure. It'd be It's just like that playing music. We're not, a lot of us aren't, like we're extroverted on stage, but a lot of us are introverted off the stage, isn't it? It's it's, mm -hmm. it's not like real life being on the stage. It's so, something different. Like you know, you can just yeah, do whatever. Yeah, for the most part, most musicians are and even rock stars are nerds, right? Like we're all nerds. Yeah, we just figured out a way to to maybe get you know a little bit of get out there a little bit and maybe you know try to pretend we're rock stars or a character on stage, like you said, you know, like. In fact, sometimes I think I used to kind of imagine that I was a different person. Not, not really. Like I'm a dip. I, I, I guess I would more like think about my idols. You know, like hmm. this bass player, or that bass player, and kind of like you know emulate them on stage and almost take me to a place where I wasn't myself. You know, hmm. in a weird way. 
but yeah do you still enjoy playing like every gig or do you, you don't you never like uh phone it in would be the wrong word do you still get because do you still get the same joy out of just doing a gig as you did like yeah yeah ago? definitely and i think even more so now that i'm sober like i think that that has you know i don't know if the drinking before was part of why I, I would have a bad gig every once in a while or or maybe even a bad gig playing but like a bad like you'd walk off stage kind of like going that gig kind of sucked or you know i didn't mm. have a good time it was because of a hangover or you're tired which some of that still happens you know like whether you know sober or not the road's not easy and you know you can still have bad nights of sleep or just be the routing you know in America, man, you, it, it, there's a lot of space in between cities and, and there's yeah. a lot of times where we got to drive, you know, after the gig or, you know, you got to drive eight hours and, and do a sound check and you're just cooked by the time the gig mm -hmm. gets around, you know, but, um, yeah, but I mean, for the most part, I, I love playing live. It's, it's, I miss it every, every time that we're not, you know, I, I like to have some downtime and home time, but at the same, but when, when I'm not playing, I miss it, you know? Like it's been the pandemic was pretty brutal. <laughs> really, you found it, it. I didn't have to say I didn't. Well, I was busy with I was doing this podcast, and it was just nice to be at home for so long. So yeah, I think other musicians found it harder than I did. I suppose this podcast kind of gave me something to do, like you know, apart from gigging and stuff. Yeah, it was. This a cool. You so you started this during the pandemic. Yeah, it was just because yeah. of the pandemic, just something to do. Like yeah, that's cool. Keep keeps you busy, keeps you musical. Yeah, I was doing I, one a week, like for eight, for nearly a year. So that was, I only oh, do one wow. a month now, like so. It was totally, it was all I was doing, pretty much, like. Yeah, I, I I did it for a little bit. I think I did like ten episodes. I did a little like radio show. Oh, cool. Where I uh, there's a, a website called Mixcloud where you can upload, you know, your songs or whatever. Upload covers, you know, like it doesn't have to be original music, and they pay the royalties or whatever to the artist that you know wrote the songs and. I, I did a radio show of, of nothing of my vinyl. So it had to be, I had to have it on record and I had imported everything from my, my turntable to my computer and then, you know, overdubbed a, you know, DJing voice type of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was pretty fun. Yeah. It, it uh, kept me busy, you know, and you stopped it now. You know, I, I, coincidentally, I used to have a radio show here in, Oh really? In my, we have like these things called hospital radios. So the hospitals have a radio, they have a little studio and you and they have a small antenna which goes a few kilometers outside the hospital and uh -huh. it's for the patients and the town so i had one with my mate my mate pascal but we got a phone call yesterday they want us to come back and do it again so oh, that's cool well yeah. i'll see like i'll see like it, it was fun but also it's a bit another commitment of get enough songs together every week and get yeah. it all organized but you, you you're finished with your one now you're not going to go do any more I, I was going to do more this past winter but i just I just, I didn't get her. I, I wasn't feeling it because it's a lot of, it was a lot of work. Like, cause you have to import all the songs in real time, right? Like, you know, you can't fat, you can't double speed a record and then slow it back down again. Mm -hmm. Like it, so every song would have to be recorded on, on my computer in real time. Um, and then if it skipped or, you know, I wasn't happy with, there was too much dirt on the needle after the track, I'll oh, do it again. So I got a really yeah. clean copy of it. Cause I wanted, I wanted it to be really good. And then, you know, so that that would take me like a day or two just to do the music. And then and then it took me another and because I'm not a, you know, a honed radio DJ, it would take me another day or two to do the 
the voiceover type of thing. Mm. Cause I would do multiple takes and, you know, with, like you said, like you like, like your reference of, of, of recording at home, you know, you can endlessly, you know, overanalyze mm-hmm. things and not just, you know, roll with it. So I was, I was probably too hard on myself and, and took, took way too much time and, and, you know, making sure that my voice was perfect or, you know, <laughs> this or that, <laughs> but it, it was fun to do. It was a lot of work, but it was fun. I just, what, were they like deep cuts or something that you, you um, couldn't download the tracks to save your time? Like. Well, I could download them, but I wanted it to be off my records. Mm. I wanted it to be spinning my vinyl, and and um, and I also wanted it to kind of I for a couple of reasons. One, I have a a decent sized vinyl collection, and I wanted to use it, and I wanted to share that with people. And I also wanted to have like a limited amount of music I could play, right? Because like, or if I want really wanted to play a song, I had to go buy the record. I couldn't just download any song. Cause then you're you're lim- you're you're limitless of what music yeah, you can play on this that's radio a, show. That could be a, a bad thing as well. You're like, yeah, I could right. Pick any song in the world. Yeah. So now I had to pick of you know songs of what I actually had or what I could mm-hmm. buy, and so that it was it was cool. It was it was it was it was fun. It was just it was just too much, I think. And I and and I wanted to. But I think around that time, it was when I did it. It was like a year ago. And it was when like COVID was really bad again. And we had kind of gotten shut down. Like any, any little gigs I did have were totally completely shut down again. So it was like just staying at home, doing nothing. And, and I was just like, man, I got to find something to do. And I was also like, it was, it was a weird time. Cause I was like, man, do I play bass? But I was, it was, it was almost kind of like depressing, like mm-hmm. to play it. Cause I, I knew that there weren't any gigs coming yeah. and there wasn't, it was nothing that, like not that there wasn't a reason to practice. There definitely could have, should have been, but I guess I just didn't find the inspiration. It was, it was, you know, kind of a depressing section of, or a little few months. And so I found this radio show to kind of like get, and it got me back into music. It got, and I wouldn't say it got me back into music. That's a bad, cause I never got out of it, but it got me more into it again. You know, like mm-hmm. it really got me listening to songs and wanting to share these songs with people. And it was cool. You know, like, so I've always just been a huge fan of music and bands in general, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but now it's like, I rather, I rather practice. Yeah. You might do it next winter. If, you, if you're at yeah, a, a loose end, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I might do it again. I'm it's not definitely not going to rule it out, but um, I might. Yeah. It's, 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 I'd rather play music than, than, be a dj <laughs> yeah i kind of felt like that after we stopped doing it i was like ah oh, sure I, i'd rather just play i'd rather be playing the music than to be interviewing or you know the dj as well like this is different it's talking about bass all the time so yeah 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 we were we were having a lot of local musicians on it was really good fun but then we ran out of musicians and i didn't really want to do it anymore if there was no live element to it mm-hmm. i liked having the people in talking to them and playing but because sure. we live in a small town it's around ten thousand people we ran out of musicians very quickly and we're like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> well, we cool. didn't run out, but we ran out of people who were, were brave enough to come on. And because mm-hmm. uh, we used to kind of give people a bit of a roasting, you know, with the questions we'd be messing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Cheers. Yeah. I'm going to hit the road here now. It's half 10 in Ireland. What t- it's like half four in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like four thirty. Yeah. 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 So you have a whole day ahead of you. Yeah, have dinner here pretty soon and just chilling out. <laughs> cool. But yeah, you, 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 
you have a you have an early gig early early day tomorrow or do you have to wake up for uh, anything I, just, or? I work i work for this um organization it's actually paid for by you too adam clayton and uh, oh, wow. it's like a music teaching thing so it's i, I run the bass department in oh, in, cool. my, in my area so i just have a meeting in the morning about where we're what we're doing with the bass department we want to do a showcase right. of the students so so we have to i did a co i did the whole course like it, private it's all the video course i also did that during lockdown it's not on the internet it was for like the company so uh-huh. i did the whole like how to play 15 videos on how to play the bass like and i wrote all the music for it so it's not wow, I, didn't do, awesome. I didn't do any covers so i wrote all these rock songs and played organ and bit of guitar and just made all the tunes like different riffs and stuff teaching cool. them different parts of bass like so that that's was, awesome i suppose that was kind of a lockdown you kind of forget the things you did like but yeah that that definitely kept me busy as well because I, I never edited any video before this, so this was I was learning how to edit videos. So, uh huh. God, That's it took cool, me ages. Man. It took me about a week to make each video because I was going crazy with the production value. I was like <laughs> zooming in and getting all angles and things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen a few of your, your your videos that you're like you had one about fuzz or something. Yeah, I had a fuzz one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're well done. Yeah, I'm not doing too many of them at the moment. Um, I'm actually studying the mass, doing a master's in bass at, at the moment, music master. So that's oh, kind of wow. that's my focus at the moment, having time for video editing. But in the uh-huh. summer, I'll, I'll start doing it again. Like that's cool, nice. Yeah, you should get Adam on on this thing since he you kind of yeah you, you work for him, right? Or yeah, I, I work for him. That'll be my <laughs> uh, my in. I'll be like employee here. Wants you to come on and chat about bass. So we'll see. Like I, I have I've got it. A few contacts now for some guests coming up, but I don't have any contact. I should. Ireland is tiny. Everyone knows everyone. So uh-huh. I'm sure I'll meet someone in the pubs tonight and they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's Adam Clayton's number. Work away. There you go. But he said he lives in France now. <laughs> yeah, he, I think they all live in France. So okay. a, lot of, a lot of rock musicians live in France. It must be. This, yeah, Jerry lives there too, right? From Roy. Yeah. yeah. Jerry lives there and you too. And bunch of, I, I never found the music scene to be like, super vibrant in france in terms of gigging like uh-huh. for myself anyway did i don't know did you play there a lot a few times if i think steepwater played maybe like four or five shows in france kind of yeah, the like, same thing like a few of them were there was one gig we played right outside of paris that was good but the rest of them were kind of they go uh, to bed incredibly early it's like what the hell because <laughs> <laughs> it's like funny Spain. like it's so funny like they're obviously they're right beside each other the two countries but as soon as you cross the border no one's going to bed until five or six in the morning. I know. Just, and they're sleeping at four o'clock in the day, siesta. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they're legends in Spain. The only thing I couldn't get my head around was when you do a gig and they're like, they want to feed, they want to give you your dinner at midnight. And you're like, no, I can't, I'm not eating dinner at midnight. Just yeah. I have to or like now. right before the gig. Like, yeah. like literally like you're going on stage at you know, like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and here, here's your meal. You're going on yeah. stage in a half an hour, eat up. Like, I <laughs> That's the worst idea ever, but yeah. you got to eat, right? You're not, if you don't eat it, then you're not going to eat at all. So I feel, I, like, I find... Spain, I feel like Spain is like 20 years in terms of the rock music being as popular. It's 20 years behind everyone else in a good way. Yeah. As in yeah, rock except... mood is still as popular there as it was in the rest of Europe 20 years ago. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I think, I, 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 I think they have, they have a pop scene too, like in the, with the mainstream people, you know, of, of Spain, but like, there's definitely an underground rock thing going. That's really cool. You know, like mm. of those mid-sized, you know, venues from, you know, 
500 to, you know, Steepwater would play like small little town in Spain and, and it would be a 60 cap room and it would be jammed like, yeah. like asses to elbows of people just crammed in there. <laughs> you know, you're thinking like, if there's a fire, we're all doomed. Yeah, we've <laughs> done know? that. It's so cool because it does, it, you would think, oh, every country in Europe is going to be like this. It's not. It's just Spain. No. Yeah. It's the only place that has that. Yeah, it is. It's it's a cool. It's definitely its own thing. Yeah, they they yeah. love it. But uh, yeah, cool. I'll see you over here with Davy Knowles. Yeah, uh, he, he actually plays. Uh, we're playing the Rory Gallagher Festival in two weeks. Oh, cool. Davy's done that a few times, so nice. hopefully he, they probably they might get him over as you know the Davy Knowles band because uh, be I know in your in Europe Jerry has a different band, doesn't he? Davy uh-huh. just does the Rory thing in America. Yeah, I think he d- he did play in Monaghan with with Jerry. Yeah, I saw him at that. That was his first yeah. gig with Jerry. Mm-hmm. That was it was yeah. cool. It was in a in a hotel. Good, good gig, really good one. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is really an honor to be on. Like you've you've had some amazing musicians and bass players on this podcast already, and honored to be included in the group. Sure, no matter, man. You're one of those. Now you were one of those. So that's why I asked you on. Like so. <laughs> I'll put all yeah, your man. links down below anyway so people can check you out. Your radio show even. If you send it on to me, I'll add it to Yeah, yeah, I will, for sure. All right, Cheers, man. man. All right. You have a good one. I'll talk to you soon.